0: Hello there, and welcome to episode five of Required Reading, a film podcast. Very glad to have you here. Thank you for pressing uh, play on whatever. I'm indifferent is. about your presence. Um, that noise you hear is my co-host, Dan. Say hello, Dan. Hi, everybody. And, um Thanks. And yes, thanks again for choosing this. There are many other podcasts out there. We acknowledge that. And we're very thankful that you've decided to uh, to listen to this one. And I only um,
1: realized how many podcasts there are out there. There are The, a the other day. Mm. Because I was trying to search for us on iTunes through yeah. a Google search. Yeah. We don't show up. So, Well, I've tried to search for, for Required Reading. There's about two other podcasts called Required Reading which do come up. We don't. Then yeah. you have to go into iTunes, then you have yeah. to go into a subcategory, and then you have to go into the alphabet, and then you have to go into like, the eighth page of the alphabet to find yeah. just that podcast.
0: Well... There's an alarming number of podcasts. Out we there. make it... There should be a call. We make it easy for you by... If you follow uh, myself on Twitter, which is um, at Alex, Alex, Alex. that's Alex three times without the E, or Dan on Twitter, who is... I'm at Mr. Pointyhead. We will very helpfully furnish you digitally with a link to this podcast um uh, that you're already listening to, but redundant is it's no it works it works. <laughs> um we are a film podcast with a little difference. We um record ourselves just after we've watched a film that we've chosen from Netflix or Amazon video and Amazon video prime. Not so it's pretty easy for everyone to watch along. And we have decided, uh, well, you have decided via convoluted two stage, um, two stage voting travesty for the big sick, um, which is a prime. <laughs> You're original. not biting are you?
1: at all so far.
0: It is a prime original. <laughs> movie. It's um on my Amazon listing it says the AFI movie of the year. It is an Oscar winning uh film. Oh it's not um, like AFI the the punk band. No. It wasn't just uh, their no. F- <laughs> favourite film. It wasn't just that a- should be oh, a oh, classification ah, system. Goodness, good. Yeah yeah. Thirty seconds to Mars movie of the year. <laughs> um will be Oh on. what a surprise it was Blade Runner. Fucking hell Jared get over yourself why do you do that voice and everything now <laughs> have you seen the um thing for the uh yakuza movie oh yeah on netflix he does he's doing his he um again. blade runner strange voice that's not how you speak Jack. do you think on the new album that's coming out um i saw an advert for it today oh the, um, he's still making the music yeah yeah yeah, as yeah. Well. there's a new there's a new album out this is a massive digression to start with um uh a new album out i think it's just called america Mm. So yeah, I bet that's got a lot to say about the current state of that. I wonder whether he's going to do his voice in that. Is he going to like talk in between stuff in that weird? Maybe he's dispensed with the sort of maybe it's a spoken word. Yeah, (laughs) could be him. Anyway, solidly for seventy-two minutes. Back on track. Um, We um, have only really one kind of rule: is that you have watched the film before you listen so if you haven't and um, have amazon prime you probably do uh so just uh pause or um or go back and, and watch it and then come back here welcome back after watching it well done um, well thank you well done for for taking it. so from here on out bit long wasn't it from here on out we're going to talk about this film bit long that's your first original
1: 1 hour 59 it's a, it's 59. a it's a bit longer
0: than than I like my We here at um, Required Reading support the hour and a half movie system. It makes things a lot easier, uh, even for recording the podcast, because then we, on top of that, uh, we do that. That's a very purely selfish reason. But I think that it's a good framework to keep yourself within. I think if you can, I wonder whether it could have lost it. Maybe we're getting too deep into it right away. But anyway, I will... Let, let me just say it's produced by Judd Apatow, so I'm not surprised it's encroaching on the going We're going to get, gonna get onto, the, on, onto Judd, but first, um, should we have your initial the uh, initial impressions of uh, The Big Sick? So this is the first of all of the films,
1: all all five of the films, wow, that we've seen that I've actually already seen, Yeah, and I have re-watched today. I very much enjoyed it. I was... As I was saying before, the voting was a travesty because so were three films I hadn't seen that I would quite <laughs> like to have seen, but it's fine. I watched The Big Sick again. It was good. Um, the Big Sick is a very deliberate effort to attempt to... I wouldn't say necessarily subvert rom-coms as it mm. is to just give it a bit of a breath of fresh air, to, to resuscitate the genre a little bit, to pull it away from these... I guess the, the more sort of old school Matthew McConaughey pre-McConaughey yeah. type romantic fair, um, and 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 does so successfully. Yeah, I would say. Um, obviously, there's a big racial element that plays a massive mm-hmm. part in that yeah. with um, Kamal Nanjiani um and Zoe Kazan in the lead roles. Uh, Nanjiani, you will most likely know from Silicon Valley. Yeah. Although he has had bit parts all over the place. Mm. He's a very, very funny guy. Um, He's so hot right now. He's so hot right now. Um, And yes, it's it's just part of this really welcome new wave of American cinema that's putting diversity front and center and telling stories, uh, you know, beyond to... Barely sympathetic white people getting together through various circumstances. I'm not saying there's not room for those films mm-hmm. too, but it's nice to see films that tackle the, the the tensions that do exist in in multiracial and you know cross religion uh, relationships. Yeah, uh, which the Big Sick does with a deft touch. Um, it's 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 funny. It's touching, it's sad, and importantly, a lot of it feels very real. Yeah. And with good reason. It is mm. it is based on a true story. It's co-written by uh, Kamil Nanjiani and his uh, now-wife, Emily Gordon, whose name is transposed slightly to Emily Gardner in the film for reasons I'm not entirely sure of, but mm. he, he effectively plays himself um, and is surrounded by real-life comedians who I believe aren't playing themselves. I yeah. don't believe Bo Burnham was Bo Burnham... Right, right. I don't think adie Bryant was adie Bryant, but they are both real comedians. Who yeah. Do real comedy in front of real people.
0: I mean, and I guess that brings up a quirk of our of our podcast and the way that we uh the way that we come at it is that I haven't really researched this film, I don't really mm. know that much about it. I know that they you know, the writers or the, the you know, the writers are married or that they've got and so, for me, the true story is it seems quite authentic. I don't know which part of it is. Mm. On her Twitter, I have happened across it before, and she says I was in a coma yeah. or whatever. So, um, like, that's the only sort of real first... Only thing I knew about it. Um, going back to your comedy thing before I sort of get into the what I thought about the film, it's like comedy's not in a good place right now. Like, it's out of phase of... Of um, Cinematic comedies in a very well, poor place. It, right now, you know, we sort of had the Farrelly Brothers curve and then the, the Judd the, Apatow thing kind of came back a little bit and as you say, there was that broad comedy. They call themselves the Jutan Clan because
1: then you had, you know, mm. Apatow and the, the Feral films and yeah. Ben Stiller went through an absolute golden, a purple patch for a, quite a long spell yeah. with Zoolander, Dodgeball, yeah. um, Tropic Thunder sort of interconnected,
0: Coppola-esque, yeah. sort of, you know, the yeah. branches going out. Seth or, Rogen,
1: to be fair, has some pretty good films out there. Yeah. Um, I, I, what did I watch recently? The There's a Christmas one that he did with um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, yeah. And the Shaving the Head one. The, no, that's 50-50. There's one that's a, there's one that's about these three guys that get together. Uh, I think it's called the night before or something like that. It's about these three guys that get together, sort of every Christmas, and have these yeah. epic blowouts. Mm. And it was it was just like a really fun knockabout comedy that
0: I really enjoyed. Yeah. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Those bits where they go that cra- bit crazy, like and get him to the Greek and those simulations of going out, like and knocked up. I I think they do that really well. I think ultimately. The, the reason why the edge has taken off it is because the comedy, and I've said before on a previous podcast is that the comedy relies on them just describing what's happening. Yes. Like in that time. And there is a limited, there is a finite amount of movie uh, plots that can sustain Seth Rogen talking to James Franco, Seth Rogen talking yeah. to, you know, these people, Jason Segel, the yeah. Muppets guy. Yeah. And so, and then Paul Rudd is in there somewhere. And sometimes it's with Paul Rudd. And then it's all this kind of interconnecting ones. And it kind of feels like now we're at that point where it's like, okay, cool. Like, it's, I, think, it's, I, it's I think we've seen as many iterations now as I'm able. Yeah. And Like, even Judd is coming back and doing stand-up now, like, this thing. And then this Adam Sandler thing came back in. And it just feels like this... Although it is still involved with um, Judd Apatow, does feel like a new step out of that that sort of style. Yes, um, in a really cool way. And I just yeah like to get into. I said I, I really liked the movie. I thought it was I thought it was really cool. I went into it with a, an expectation of it being similar in a way to um, those episodes of Master of None. Um, I thought that and it. Sometimes it dealt with it heavily, but it was light, and using his own parents sort of gave its own sort of twist to it and um I love aziz Ansari 's parents they they're amazing, and it 's hard not to compare because it obviously uses that trick in this in in a way like the sort of the parents and the comedy of parents and yeah. and the things that they say and I think that um unfairly comparing I think that aziz Ansari 's parents are funny better actors they 're real. Yeah. They're not his real. Parents. No, no, no. I know, I know. So, but you know the um, the point of uh, like, I just think that that joke is is kind of done, and then it it hits you with a really serious like punch in the middle of the film. Um, sort of like really, really weighty, yeah. both by sort of the dramatic turn and the um, that it drops comedy like almost completely mm. for a, for a spell, and then sort of reintroduces it. Um, so it's. I really felt it was a good, a good sort of twist, and yeah, allows- to have to have such a sudden tonal shift.
1: Mm. Um, that's, that's the title very heavily signposts, yeah. but yeah, it really does. Kind uh, of, it, it 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 would take you by surprise if you didn't know anything mm. about the film. Yeah, like, I didn't, I didn't, because it really does feel like it's building towards a very common set of rom com beats. Mm.
0: Yeah, I only um, connected it back sort of once it had happened. I didn't I wasn't expecting it to come along. So a big step in it like away from where it was headed and it allowed um Ray Romano and, and Holly Hunter's characters to really Yeah. They, they did sort of quite a lot of the lifting because obviously he's in shock and she's obviously just lying in a bed. So there's there's a void in the in the sort of the narrative of the movie that's filled really well. And I'm such a big fan of, of Holly Hunter. I think she just Is able to inhabit a space and just make it so like compelling just to watch her like just make noises in between talking like it's amazing. She's (laughs) such a cool, you know. Obviously, I really like her and the Incredibles as well, and and obviously that's just voice. So you're sort of used to her. She's you know really talented, Um, really talented with her voice. It's a crazy thing. Yeah, she has a she
1: has a thing in this thing of almost sort of looking past you know, mm. other people are talking to her or she's already on her own mm. train of thought and very much like, this is what I'm going to do and nothing you say is yeah. really going to sway me from that. So she just comes off as this real sort of like firebrand. Mm. And, and still up against Ray Romano as well, she looks about four foot nothing. Yeah. She looks like she's almost been miniaturise using the same foreshortening, you know, the, the, that sort of shortening technique they used in um, the Lord of the Rings films. It almost looks oh, yeah. like <laughs> Elijah Wood against Gandalf yeah. at times, because she's so tiny. What did
0: you think of, um, of Ray Romano in the film?
1: thought oh, it was brilliant. Yeah, it was I good. loved him. I, 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 Ray Romano, um, I've sort of liked as a comedian, and obviously um, everybody loves the big, the big breakout mm. for him, the, like his mainstream success. Mm. Oh, but I used to watch a show called... Um, Doctor Katz years and years and years ago on the Paramount Comedy Channel, which was uh, a, it was an animation, but it was it was really meant to be a psychiatrist talking to his clients. But all his clients were stand-up comedians, and what yeah. they were effectively doing was their routines. Right. And Ray Romano was on that fairly regularly. Oh, cool! I haven't like, seen that at all. Yeah, he used to use this really sort of wiggly animation style, really rough and ready. Mm. Um, his son was played by H. John Benjamin, who is um, the voice of Archer, Bob in right, right. Burgers, who played his sort of like slacker son. And then, yeah, everybody else who came onto it was just all these sort of great American comedians. So it was just a really unique way of presenting all these sort of stand-up routines. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that was my first exposure to Ray Romano, and I really liked his, yeah. his brand of comedy at that point. And then he was a mainstream sitcom star, and then sort of nothing really, you know. You, you see it regularly at nine o'clock, you're on Channel Four at that sort of time in the morning, you know, yeah. nestled beside.
0: Um, but, but how, but how incredible King is King of Queens and Frasier. But again, I was uh, to to tie it into Frasier and and just to just to divert slightly. Um, how incredible is that? Like the the art of of Fraser and um, Everybody Loves Raymond that. It's able to exist in such a broad setting, but it's still really, really fucking funny. Yeah. Like, and it's continuing. You can just watch a bit of an episode and it's funny. Yeah. And then you can watch an episode you've seen again and it's funny. Um, Fraser, in particular is... Fraser. Is, I think, is probably one of the
1: finest sitcoms ever. Mm. Everyone goes on about Seinfeld, which I've never gelled with mm. ever Frasier for me is is like the the pinnacle sort of 90s American sitcom if if or just timeless for me I think Frasier will live on as just one of the finest written finest acted best ensemble cast sort of sitcoms of all time. Don't know how we got here, but there we go.
0: Well, it's fine. It's funny you say Frasier. that. Just to go to the the Seinfeld thing is that I'm actually the same, and I wonder it's not like a, particularly an age thing because there are people of our age that like it but I think that we're of the age where it was possible to circumnavigate it and not see it when everyone
1: was listening it. If I remember rightly it. I think it was
0: on Sky One so I
1: didn't even have access to it.
0: Yeah well but like things like that you know that all that just that little bit of not having access can change the course of you know whether you're in whether it influences you quite heavily. Yeah like um, I, was really, thought- I
1: found the music in it really obnoxious and that, that really took Took the away music.
0: the show really took away from the enjoyment of the show. But again, bum, just bum, to take bum, bum, a step further into the idea of what comedy used to be, I was talking to someone the other day who hadn't really watched The League of Gentlemen. Yeah, and I just it was so surprising to me that that League of Gentlemen is so woven into my yeah. you know my outlook. Just sayings that you say. This is a local shop. Just these kind of things that are so in. I, the, can, I your, can't. Your, your, that you just say now. Yeah. Not that you say, oh, I'm doing a bit or I'm doing a, a little joke about leaving. It just is what you say yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. Um, so, again, that's why I understand, you know, that there, there is possibly to be without it. Dragging us back Whoa. to the... Bra- <laughs> dragging us back to the, the big sick. Um, does... The enjoyment of a, a movie like this, it hasn't for me, but would you like this film more if you had seen him in Silicon Valley? No, not in the slightest. He,
1: he, he plays a very good character in Silicon mm. Valley, but this is so far removed from that. It's an It's a completely interesting and absorbing story in its own right, mm. and he's a very charming leading man. So I haven't seen any. I haven't seen one no, episode no, of Silicon no, Valley. It, it so I haven't. I'm asking. It doesn't affect your
0: enjoyment mm, of it in, that's the, interesting. in the slightest. Well, the character's similar.
1: <laughs> sort of. He's. I'm not going to say he's the most versatile performer. So I think a lot right, of right. that is yeah. probably because he's a stand-up first and foremost and mm. maybe a comedy actor. And they bought s- into that as second. a second. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that sort of um, slightly awkward charm. Yeah. He's always is always evident, yeah. But, um, heavy, heavy eyebrows, the heavy the heavy eyebrows. But he, I think he's very much more himself here, which is apt because he is playing himself. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think some of the rougher edges of his character in Silicon Valley obviously aren't there because that's right. that's a character and he's not yeah, a yeah. coder who doesn't understand coding, probably. Um, so so yeah. No, this, this is a far more. Well, it's, it's, it's a very sympathetic portrayal in many ways, but it, it, it also isn't afraid to show uh, up his flaws. Mm. I imagine writing this with his wife would have been a very interesting process because mm. there are so many ways that something like this could have gone downhill fast because even despite the sort of subject matter, there's a very real danger that these things can come off as very smug yeah. very self congratulatory because really you've got a couple going here's a film about how we got together right and if 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 this if this was in the hands of a, a lesser talent or a more self absorbed talent mm. um it would be absolutely insufferable but it's not you're you're sort of you're you're really rooting for them mm. um you really sort of, you you kind of see elements of Yourself in the way that their relationship starts up. It, yeah. It's a very sort of naturalistic, real way that they get together. Uh, the pitfalls that they face and the, the relationships they have with their family and the the awkward jokes and the, the 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 fact that they're when they're being like ultra dry and sarcastic together, but they both completely get that that's where they are in terms mm. of their level of humour. Is, is something I could definitely associate with hundred mm. percent. And I like that because when he attempted the same sort of level of humour with um Holly Hunter and Ray Romano, yeah. It never really landed mm. ever. Yeah. He was yeah. always like, oh, I'm joking. He, had, he always had to say that, whereas with um with Emily with Zoe Kazan, yeah. that there was always that implicit from the from the get go, from the, the the first line mm. they exchanged with each other about the um, about the heckling. Yeah. It's it's already that
0: dynamic is yeah, already established. Yeah. It's a you know? really nice moment, isn't it? That, yeah, um, yeah. Original thing. Um, it made me think about the uh, Netflix show Love, which is also which the- um,
1: episodes of which have been directed by the very same director
0: of this. Ah, fantastic! Um, so that was totally planned. Um, was it Michael no. Michael Showwater who yeah.
1: um, I, I do I do like? Um, he is also responsible for things like um, Wet Hot American Summer, right? I uh, haven't seen that. They they came together. As a writer, he he's definitely of a, of a kind. He's got a very specific. Take on comedy, yeah, and yeah. you—it's—it's it's very marmite. It's funny mm. enough when I was look, looking at him, I was looking at reviews of a film he did called They Came Together. Oh yeah, which yeah. is like a rom-com spoof with um, Paul Rudd and um, Amy Poehler. Oh, of course, which yeah. <laughs> which I really liked because
0: oh it's, right, I haven't
1: Fucking sh- stupid, mm. and it's out and out stupid. But it's it's it's, it's is it of, more it, of a sort of it's very um, methodically stupid. Um, you know, in the way that the the Feral films are mm. sort of part improvised, and they clearly record about three hundred hours of footage, and go, let's try and pick out the one hour where we were actually funny. Yeah, I think he's a lot more sort of precise. It's very interesting that I don't think he's necessarily had that much input in the in the writing or storytelling process of this. He's very much been involved from a directorial standpoint, mm. and it's it, it's it's a very no frills film in that regard. Yeah. But I think it's in a set of hands that understands... Um, that understands... What he's setting out to say. and what, it, what, it, what it's setting yeah. out to say. And just, under, and, you know, setting out to make sure that these exchanges feel genuine and, mm. and that side of it. And in that regard, I think he really succeeds. And I think that's why you'll you'll see that sort of parallel with love, which again tackles relationships mm. in a very similar way
0: yeah and and the idea of mining your own experience i think love is a little more like written it's not as no. much about the, the those characters although the main guy does write it right he's one yes, of the I writers believe. on it i believe so oh, yes. um, but i, think it's, I more, think it's like one of the creators of yeah it. yeah and it, but you know, and, uh, whereas this seems a lot more personal mm. but still does have the sheen of apatow in in it you know love is been going on now for what three series now and not a lot has really actually happened in in, in it I don't know whether you're up to date on it no I'm only, I'm only halfway through the second and the third series is the last as well yeah yeah but it and it just doesn't it really doesn't have that much in it it's kind of it's very you're just spending time with these, and with these characters alike, yeah. and um this one reminded me of the world well, having the stand-up sections to it reminded me a little of um funny people yes the um and in that it's a little long as well even though funny people is ridiculously long it's Mm -hmm. like an hour after you think it should (laughs) fit way more and way more sort of dour and yeah 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 Um, convinced of its self-importance you know does deal with a a sickness and reaction to sickness as well um i think it's it's funny people falls down as it's kind of almost too much of a love letter to um to adam sandler it allows him too much like singing songs and stuff and it's like you just cut all of that out (laughs) you don't need any of that like old videos of him being stupid and stuff So, um so we obviously we came around to doing the um this the the movie the 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 Big Sick after a few sort of choices of different of different films. Yes. And I was using this sort of stupid idea of like love versus not love and and that this is a is a film um which is obviously a, a love story but has this darkness to it. And I was kind of reminded of this of this thing that of my wife Vic was telling me about that I only really like stuff where like kind of like horrible stuff kind of happens. I don't really like, <laughs> um, you know, if it's a movie, like we watched um, uh, Prisoners the other day. Oh, yeah. And, um, which was a really, really cool film. I still but, haven't seen it. But that's, the, that's the
1: other Denis Villeneuve. The other Denis, yeah, Denis yeah.
0: Villeneuve film. And um, and it's um, it's about a kid that's, that's sort of taken and sort of everyone is reacting to that. And obviously it gives you this big anchor to sort of, it's a, a sort of story device that that, that does it. Um, in in this film, I wonder whether I have a little criticism of it of that there isn't much material of kind of of either of either type, and that it relies really heavily on the on the you know the, the coma ness of it. You know the the them reacting to the coma and the sadness you mm. know of, of of the coma. Um, like I don't know whether. I I did I did really like it, but I'm sort of starting to feel like sort of processing a little bit like I I wonder what his next stuff is gonna be like. Like what is, you know, moving on the next sort of movie that he does. I mean, what do you think that, you know I was gonna like, ask a similar question really, because it was really so old, you know it, it's, it's not a cop
1: out mm. to write about what you know. Well it's, they it, say it's that's the, the first, first rule thing, of writing yeah, yeah, you know, that you should do, right? Yeah. Write about what you know and they've done that in the most literal way because fortunately they they had a very interesting story mm. to tell. Yeah. Um I guess it remains to be seen whether they can write something that's equally compelling that's then based on a on a on a
0: fiction. Mm.
1: You know, entirely on a fiction.
0: Going back and thinking of all the different like phases, phases of comedy that they've been. I really like the original um Zucker Abram's yeah, yeah, stuff, yeah. the Airplane and the Top and Secret, and the, yeah. the really early um, police squad yes. stuff, and then it I mean it's not really around as much anymore. But there no, was I mean you, I mean airplane facsimiles. Was,
1: yeah, airplane was like deep, deep parody. And then you just get these rubbish ones, you know, things like was it Meet the Spartans? Mm. And I saw one recently called the Starving Games, which is just a really lazy Hunger Games person Oh my god! Kind of oh, there was like the disaster movie and all those other other yeah, ones. Uh, and that's why I th- They came together as an interesting one to watch on that tack because it's very much. It, it's not. It's not parody in the same school as Airplane, where it's these very sort of broad jokes. It's it's more picking holes at a genre that it's, it clearly kind of likes a lot, mm. but it's very. It's just poking fun at the the use of dialogue and the and the contrived ways that they you know get the characters to. From point A to point B and things like that. It's it's almost like um, a rom com parody for people who like intimately know rom coms. Mm. It? It's never the problem with a lot of the current pastiche, which I think have stemmed from maybe like scary movie onwards. Yeah, is that all they are? Are this they're this sort of weird potpourri of of like pop culture references and like how many things that are relevant right now can we parody? clumsily in mm. a, in in an hour and 20 minutes or whatever yeah, yeah. and do that rather Here's than a load being of money. These, whereas airplane was obviously a, it was obviously a it was a very loving parody of those sort of disaster movies mm. of the time and while it was you know it wasn't going oh do you remember this scene from that thing that yeah. you know it was just taking on all the the hallmarks of those films and putting their own spin on it instead, and I think that's that element of parody has really been lost in recent years. Now, returns like, oh, is this the new sort of wave of comedy? I mean, part of me honestly thinks that I hope not, because from watching it again, I've gleaned nothing more from it. Mm. This is a film that is exists entirely on the surface. I don't think yeah. this is a, this is a film that's almost entirely devoid of. In any real subtext, as, as much as it has to say about you know race and religious yeah. divides and things like that within America, I don't think it really says much more than what it puts in front of you. I don't think you there's anything to read between the lines. I don't think there's any things I missed. Yeah. I don't think there's any lines that I missed. There's, there's nothing I got from it. And for me, like... The what really makes for a great comedy is something that you just want to watch over and over mm. and over again. And that's why Airplane's brilliant. That's why yeah. Monty Python and the Holy Grail's brilliant. That's even why the likes of Zoolander and Dodgeball are brilliant. Um, because you get to the point where you're laughing at things before they've even happened because you know the line's coming up and you're just ready to laugh because you're so just on board with it. Um but net- I, I think that's the school of comedy that's missing at the moment. That that sort of infinitely rewatchable school of comedy, that quotable one, as you mm. say, like with the League of Gentlemen, where it seeps into the public consciousness and everyone knows the line for a spell, and they're yeah. all sort of quoting each other. Like, where's that? Mm. And it's because, as you say, the the, the Rogan era, the um, the Todd, what's his face, you know, Hangover guy, oh Phillips, Phillips, yeah, that. But even that's spent now. It's spent because all those films are absolutely devoid of wit. I hate The Hangover and I hate those films because it's all about circumstance and isn't Mm. it hilarious that they've ended up here? But without any memorable dialogue or actual wit to back it up it's just people going fuck yeah. shit and, and and all they're doing is swaying. and we're supposed to be laughing because they're saying these words loudly yeah while things are happening around Look at them this it's thing like,
0: that's happening to me is so broad it's, yeah.
1: it's 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 one you know it's a notch above Mrs. Brown's boys in terms of <laughs> what I I find funny it's not it's not my school of comedy whatsoever i like this i like the big sick mm. it's very smart if anything, actually the majority of the stand-up they show in it is all actually pretty fucking awful. I, yeah. don't, I don't really think any of the stand-up in it is very funny at all. Yeah, it's a setting more than. Uh Nanjiani's very funny, Bo Burnham's very funny, mm. A.D. Bryan's very funny. I don't think any of them really come off brilliantly as stand ups in it. Uh I mean, that's probably that's not that's not really the point of the film, but No. You would expect those bits to maybe sparkle a little more and you know, although I'm loath to mention Louis C. K. post mm. Fapping in a door gate, being a naughty boy, fapping in a door gate. Um, you know, one of my one of my, the joys of Louis the show was that the stand up elements that sort of bookended mm. the 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 more sort of um, Woody Allen esque moments of surrealism that were that sort of uh, were the filling were were almost consistently fantastic yeah. and laugh out loud funny, and it was it was mostly stuff that he, he seemed to have written specifically for the show as well. Yeah. Um. I think it's very, it's very, very challenging because it takes a lot of time to hone really good stand-up material, but if you're going to have a film with stand-up in in it, you really hope that if that's going to be the primary home of the comedy, then at least that part should be really funny.
0: Well, it's still, uh, it, it, that's the new mechanism, isn't it? That's the, uh, been the answer, that Netflix, rather than having, I mean, Love is obviously in its third, third series, and that it's... Its response has just been to give everyone a comedy special, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and just have stand-up and double down on stand-up specials. Um, and I'm just not sure whether that – because, again, it's mining the personal. And if you're do, not doing a movie about that like, when you're a stand-up and the, these are the things that happen to you, you're now just doing the stand-up. And then the next step of that is – you know, is yeah. what, like, there's There's no more stripping it back well, to being also- a person on, on the stage. Well, Whereas, you know, the, the, the established way of going about it was that stand-up was first, then you moved on, like taking Steve Martin, for an example. He was massive stand-up, did a, a massive sort of, uh, you know, was playing arenas, then moved on and was doing The Jerk and then growing and doing these mm-hmm. other films. Yeah, he faltered along the way, but I don't think he's ever gone back to doing you know it hasn't gone back to doing stand-up as a way of propping up those kind of you know those films like you mm-hmm. moved on from it whereas now it's sort of a little more tentative I'm sort of not ready to completely give up being a stand-up and oh why don't you show my you know why don't you show my special where I'm doing that while I'm you know writing the next thing I sort of wonder where those big you know the the way I don't know, I don't
1: know whether I think it's whether there's a whether, whether there was a stigma before, you know, that, that was the that was the career path. You went from stand-up, and when you'd progressed from stand-up or from Saturday Night Live, you went into films. Mm.
0: Um, but Saturday and, Night Live allowed a format because you were doing bits where you were yeah. a character. Well, and then all I'm you do is the escalation
1: go, was sort of one way. So mm. to have got, to to have returned to your previous yeah. homes. Was seen to have been a demotion of sorts. Yeah. Whereas I don't think those barriers really exist anymore because of how strong, um, what well, one TV is, yeah. And how many people are now willing to appear on TV and are no longer considered to be washed up? You know, you, I, I recently watched um, uh was it Big Little Liars? Oh, All right, with Nicole Kidman and mm-hmm. Reese Witherspoon. Like, yeah, f- fucking fan- fantastic. Was it was a good, fantastic series. Um, and no one thinks any less of the actresses in that because they appeared in a TV show. Yeah, and I think the same is true of comedy now. It's like it's it's no big deal if you're in a Hollywood film and then you go back and do a stand-up tour mm. or you appear in a TV show. It, it's so much more fluid, and I, I I don't necessarily think the same rules apply anymore
0: in in that regard. Um, I don't know how I feel about the. I don't know whether that's necessarily true for the Ricky Gervais example. Mm. I do feel like he's gone back to doing stand up because his films and and sort of fictional stuff is has mainly been bad. Like there hasn't yeah. been he hasn't made the transition over. Um the David Brent movie was by and large quite bad. I did not watch that. Oh, it's it's you know, <laughs> I really like the office and so I kind of I gave it a fair crack and it's it's not great. And the stand up, I did I did like it. I did think it was okay. I, yeah, I admit, th-
1: I watched Humanity about 2 weeks ago mm. because one I'd read that there were some very very um angry people. Mm. And and I sort of thought his responses were a little
0: Juvenile, yeah, definitely. Oh,
1: yeah, but I do all this, and you know, I I've been, I talk about these subjects. As well, you're like, I'm making yeah. this many million from, you know. It, it sort of plays into the, the 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 kind of person who thinks "snowflake" is a valid mm. derogatory term. The way he delivers it, but, but but by and large, aside from what I felt was a really agonisingly long and unnecessary bit about Caitlyn Jenner
0: at the start, yeah, it found its groove eventually, and there are parts I laughed very hard at I thought there was he out. was almost doing the Stuart Lee thing wasn't he he was almost doing that ramming it at you but yeah. Stuart Lee let, like, sort of brings you in a little more before he hits you with that continual stuff and I think maybe just pacing or something you know, Stuart Lee is is consistently out there doing that whereas Ricky had maybe been out of the stand-up game or making a show like that game so maybe hadn't quite got that right
1: yeah um, I mean, and, and, and Ricky Gervais wasn't a stand-up first he's one of the few people who went into comedy and then went then went back in. Mm. Then went back to stand up almost. Right, not back. I say back as if he'd done it before. He basically it then, went yeah. to it for the first time. Yeah, which is why he does his weird sort of lecture style thing. Yeah. Um. But you know, if, if people who remember like Ricky Gervais, the character from his time on um, the eleven o'clock show and stuff like yeah. that, like that's, that that is that is a character. Yeah, of course. It's very much a character, and and there's obviously always that point where. They do that. They say that one thing or do that one thing, where everyone suddenly leaps on them. Mm. It's happening with that Jonathan Pye character right now at yeah. the moment. Who I've never really had any time for anyway. But
0: I, I, I think I've seen pass. I'm passing some Facebook videos. But just a quick note on that. I just don't like people like shouting all the time. <laughs> like I've just got no time I don't for like shouting as a substitute know, for content. Or yeah, or like, or um, I believe in this a lot. So I'm shouting it at you, and well, I couldn't get on with Dave Gorman because most of his routines ended up with him ranting. It I just don't. Like, I don't think David Gorman's that funny. Yeah, well, that's, that's why like, he actually, shouted. Yeah, <laughs> if in doubt, shout. Yeah, but you mentioned him earlier, and talking about comedy and not kind of talking about or this new wave of intelligent. Comedy, or what for one of a better term, mm. of that, is that Louis C.K. does sort of hang quite heavy over, or his absence of, which is sort of allowed. Maybe Ricky thought that he could kind of come into that void, or you know these things. You know the specials are coming back, like mm. you wouldn't necessarily see. There definitely would have been another Louis C.K. special. On Netflix by now, if this hadn't have happened. Yeah, um, I think, that, I, think
1: that, I think what makes the Louis C.K. thing particularly uncomfortable is that you realise that some elements of his comedy came from a real place, mm. whereas you thought it was really being played entirely for laughs. Yeah, and that he was pushing buttons, and then you realise, ah, uh, mm. we were laughing at what he probably really thought in some cases, now or really yeah. did in some cases, and that just added a really nasty aftertaste a lot of what he did well
0: there was an interesting um referring to uh wtf you know the mark maron yes po- podcast um my favorite episodes have been the ones with louis ck i don't know whether you've, you've listened to them no no um basically the sort of so you should everyone should go and, and listen to a it. biggest podcast in the world yes. or something isn't it so i'm not you know it's not some deep cut or anything <laughs> but um he is reconnecting with him after not talking to him for about 10 years, effectively. There's a couple of interviews. And what it's basically about is them reconnecting and then processing that Louis is now massive and Mark like wasn't for his comedy, even though he's now popular for his podcast and now sort of come back around again. Yeah, But um, Louis really interestingly went, was saying to him, like, it's not my fault that you know i got massive and i got i got successful like you're a bad friend for allowing that to get in the way of our get friendship. in the way of our friendship yeah it's actually on you like i'm not going to apologize like apologize he's not he, he doesn't even refer to a but an apology he's just like it was you that had decided not that to make it a, a big deal i was fine about it you know obviously and that it was re- it's really interesting and really interesting listen, they properly go on a journey, and by the end of it they' they're like friends again. It's a really <laughs> interesting sort of document of just these guys having this chat, and there's another one and they they come back at it later and um and then when all that stuff came out, Mark tried to defend him a little bit, and I haven't really caught up with exactly mm. what they were saying, but that is what has made it a little more difficult of that you know he does mine. You know the, the way things really are, for want of a better term, and the the way that you know re looking at, at things, and obviously it wasn't as it wasn't as well self observed as he kind of made out. Yeah, you yeah. Know, that you can't do those things; it's totally unacceptable. And if I haven't you know made it clear, like I obviously don't condone it condone way. it in any way, but I do miss that comedy. I did, yeah. really did enjoy it, you know, and I feel that that's something that people aren't. Kind I of, haven't really heard or read anything like that because it's kind of that blackout period where it's like oh well you know he's done these things and it's like you know they just get put into this like sin bin and it's like well how long is it now how, like what's the requisite amount of time what's the sort of what's you know? the sort of moratorium on
1: before they become acceptable again another comedian who's really suffered in a similar regard recently is actually former co-star now of command Kam- Kumail Nanjiani T J Miller oh yeah he's in Deadpool who was also accused by a woman of doing this, but he publicly posted with his wife saying this woman has had it out for him for years and years and mm. years, and she knows, his wife knows this too. Yeah. And they were both like, this is total fucking bullshit. Mm. But his name is Mud, and people have just suddenly decided, oh, like, well, why is he still in Deadpool 2? Why is he doing this? You know, he Silicon Valley was apparently a whole other matter. The reason he's not mm. in the next, the current series, the, season, the fifth series... Is, 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 is meant to be unrelated because he was also just massively unreliable <laughs> apparently. But um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's very funny how quick people are to suddenly assume the worst. Mm. And it's understandable why they assume the worst, but in some cases you feel that when even their own wife comes out in support with a very yeah. good argument to suggest yeah. why they're actually not culpable of the things they've been accused of,
0: well, like the Casey, Casey Affleck, you know um, the um, the Franco uh, yeah. James Franco, and it's not like it's such a strange thing, and, and and obviously, in its most extreme form, is you go back to the classic, like, are you allowed to watch Woody Allen films? No. Like, what's your, you know, <laughs> do you do you stop watching Woody Allen films? Like, I don't now? watch
1: Mel Gibson films. I don't watch Woody Allen films. Yeah. I don't watch Roman
0: Polanski films.
1: Yeah. Um, I I need to read more about Affleck and Franco. I think I might read more about Franco after I've watched The Disaster Artist.
0: Yeah, <laughs> because
1: I really want to see that film. But
0: but you haven't. No, and we're both really big fans of The Room. We went to yeah. go and see a screening of it. We met the the Tommy Wiseau, and like I would say, we in the the demographic of, um um people that should have already watched that movie we haven't it has stuck regardless of whether it's true or not I don't know whether it's true or not it could be I'm not making a comment on that I'm just saying that these things once you're in that that zone that zone it can affect your you know so broadly and it's it's just amazing how now you're just going to have that in the back of your mind and you 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 put these people on trial Mm. and I, I just, I'm not even commenting on whether any of this is true. It's just not, it's just a strange place to be in, especially when they are ostensibly creating these, the, these movies and films and TV shows that are just supposed to make you laugh. They're supposed yeah. to make you happy, you know, and going b- back to my original sort of point that started off this whole digression is of me liking stuff. That's got this depressing thread. in. Well, it. I, had, I had another one to bring up.
1: Because on the on the subjects of intelligent comedy, mm. um, I watched the Death of Stalin the other week. Right, as right. Well.
0: Oh, I'm I'm really which, looking forward to that.
1: Much, much like um, his previous fair, I always forget the name of the film. I know it's based. It's the thick of it is the series, but what's the film
0: called? In the Loop. <laughs> in the Loop. Is one of your brain brain blind spots that it's always in the loop. Yeah. I never
1: remember it. A film which I watched at the time and couldn't bring myself to really laugh at because yeah. I thought it was so close to the bone mm. that it was it was it was barely satire. Yeah. Death of Stalin is very very similar in that regard. <laughs> and like it, it it's it's horrifying and all these and all these moments that are supposed to be funny are all just kind of possibly true because it's just like, oh God, people are terrible. Yeah. Like people are just fucking awful. And I admire Ianucci for being able to wring comedy out of such darkness. I mean, if you like comedy out of darkness, mm. watch watch the death of Stalin. Um but um the the chap who's in the death of Stalin. Um Jeffrey Tambor. Ah, yes. yes. Formerly Arrested Development, mm. um was it transparent? Mm hmm. Um disgraced disgraced yeah uh, yeah. so again I felt very uneasy because he has a very prominent role in that film yeah and again a very very funny actor and Ianucci had the same experience after the first series of The Thick of It yeah when an actor from that was on potential child pornography offenses as well who was also fucking brilliant in that show and was a massive loss to that show Um, and that's bringing Rebecca Front as a sort of replacement for for him having who was really good having um, left he was really really good and obviously foreshadowed Trezise yeah hundred <laughs> yeah. percent um so it, it it's it's strange that there's such a close relationship between great comedy and deeply flawed personalities with with. Absolute, sincerest apologies to Kamal Nanjiani and Emily V. Gordon for dragging all these people, yeah, <laughs> into two clearly, incredibly lovely people who've made a really lovely film into this now protracted discussion about the fucking dark side of comedy. But, but, but it's, it's relevant. It, it, it's not so
0: so much the dark side dark side of comedy per se. It's just the dark side about what it is that you know. And it makes me think of that bit in The Matrix where they talk about you know the uh, the with the architect in the second movie where he admits that it's like not the first iteration of oh, the matrix accordingly vis-a-vis yeah. vis- no 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 that it's it the Could original in, original versions of the matrix were too happy yes it needed to be more depressing for people to believe and like accept it um, that people kind of need it it just kind of made me think in, in an interesting way of that now you do need that hook you can't just have a completely happy you know, happy for happiness sake, like those airplane movies, like those things, although they did flirt obviously with, with tragedy and, yeah. and that, and, and that I'm just, it's so interesting now how we, you know, we need to anchor as people. Um, so yeah, uh, that's the, uh, the, probably the end of our crazy conversation, <laughs> partly about the big sick. Um, um, yeah. I thought that was uh That was, it was cool. And Uh, I think. Yeah, I
1: I just want, so back on the big sick then. I I just wanted to, we've we've obviously talked a lot about um, Ray Romano and Holly Hunter and that side of the family. But credit also to the people portraying um, uh, Camille Nanjiani's family as well, who I thought were, were really well cast. So where was the brother from? I said one thing I've got to look up.
0: What was the brother? He's in? from
1: Utopia. You remember him from Utopia? I was
0: talking, are you sure it's? He Utopia. was Wil. He was Wilson. Wilson. No, I'd never seen Utopia. Uh, he was in not? something else, but he's British. Yeah, he no no, but there was oh. another show that he was another comedy show that he was in. Um, um, let's have a little bit of um, the Wee Shop music in this bit. I'll drop it in. Starting now.
1: Was he in that you might have seen? Oh, or... right, I've got it. Sorry, yes. Uh, sorry, the actor's name is a deal Actor, he's he's very, very good. And the mm.
0: film you definitely know from is Four Lions, ah, of course, thank you, Rubber Dinghy yeah. Rapids. Yes, yes, that's it. okay, um, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> putting out my misery. I hope everyone enjoyed uh, the We Shop music for a little bit there. <laughs> Who doesn't enjoy the We Shop? He doesn't music? enjoy the We um, Shop, no, music? he's he's really
1: good, he's um, someone clearly wrestling with the. the He's he's a lot more beholden to the the family way of life and the yeah. strict rules set, but also clearly having a an internal struggle yeah. with it as well. It, there's a there's a very telling part uh, quite quite close to the start when he's having dinner with his family for the first time, where they are just brutal. The mother is just brutal mm. about um, their other brother who's married the Irish lady, I believe it is. yeah, yeah. and they say. It's it's so sad that child's never gonna have a family. And they've basically just written off this baby Yeah. Like immediately in such a sort of In a
0: in a in a, an amazing way that families can be incredibly. Yeah, harsh it's just sort of like Yeah, it's yeah. just
1: like chucked into conversation and was like, Yeah, carry on with dinner. Yeah. Um and it's funny, but yeah, I thought I thought I thought the mother was brilliant. She just yeah. had this constantly bobbing head, yeah. Fantastic just sort of Musicality and the the way the way that she the way that she was like just a fucking death stare. Yeah, you know, and through th- throughout just so so well observed in terms of a, a traditional Muslim mother, you know, doing what was in her eyes completely mm. right and completely within tradition.
0: I also like the bit where the dad breaks into song to kind of cover up for the fact the, that she the, the, turned the up. Uh, the the presential. Yeah, or well, that they were trying to speak. Uh, That's mean, that she was. She's there, and then she understands, that and she understands it yeah, as well, yeah, yeah. yeah, and I thought that was that was a re- that was a really cool <laughs> moment. I <laughs> thought it was really funny because I thought they had already done the joke of that. She, oh, she did actually understand, and like, how are you going to finish that? It's yeah. it's almost quite. A, it's yeah. I thought that was done really well. I, I, I did like what I what I enjoyed about the sort of procession
1: of of women as well hmm. was that initially they did fall into. Uh, sort of comic archetype territory where every single one was in their own way, a sort of slightly tragic character. Yeah. Uh, but then the last one they Spend give a bit they, more time they, with. they give a bit more time with and they just give her a bit of personality and heart and go, you know, this isn't just all about you. It's not all mm. about the bloke. It's really hard for the women as well yeah. to be put through this and to go through this. And it's just like they want to please their family, but it's also they just want to find someone and get some yeah peace and just be able to relax and it was yeah. a nice moment that I'm I'm glad they actually gave a bit of time yeah they saw it through to or the, they went to a little they, deeper yeah you know, yeah they, they they gave some time to the to the to the women as well to say you know they are fully aware of the part they play in this process mm. and how difficult and and ultimately how humiliating it is
0: but yeah overall. It did it did a good. It's obviously sparked a cool discussion with us about comedy. I thought that was um you know, that was that was quite nice. I think uh in our thumbs up system, I think, or thumbs down, mm-hmm. uh, well, I'm definitely gonna give it a thumbs up. I um, will definitely give it a thumbs up. A thumbs um, up I, double I, I, to double. Know,
1: to be fair, you know I said it didn't sort of necessarily reward repeat viewing mm. it did. It re- doesn't have it, to, it doesn't that doesn't make it bad. No, no, no. It just it just it but it reinforced that it was a very enjoyable thoroughly watchable film yeah um uh yeah so i have no regrets about watching it again
0: by virtue of it being an amazon studios movie we're sort of allowed to see it out of the normal uh cinema to vod to dvd sort of rotation yes so it's quite cool to see something quite quickly after the after the oscars of for one of a better term the quick in my world of yes. getting around to watching it and being able to watch it so I was quite I was appreciative <laughs> of that um oh we, we, I did sorry I should say that I did actually get a comment from one of our regular listeners oh yeah yes because uh, there, there wasn't much comeback on this one was there well so I think that maybe we'll talk about it a little later um but yeah I think maybe the format of over polling people twice maybe didn't help um, so maybe it will be. Well, but although weirdly, the polls were both quite successful. Oh no, no, they were popular in terms of people, but I wonder whether we just hammered them too much <laughs> with uh, vote on this. Indeed. Oh no, now vote on something different.
1: I don't know. I think we're uh, I think we're mollycoddling them. It's like oh, we had to click two buttons to vote for something. Now I have to watch a film. Uh,
0: come on. Well, I think maybe we'll give more opportunity. To yeah, feedback. we'll give you more opportunity. And and from this one, I'm saying what the movie will be. There's no choices. No, anything, we are doing good time. Oh, okay, so, yeah, we are. That is it. So, We're doing good time right now. Get in touch with us, we'll remind you later. We'll that. remind you later, but yeah, go on. Um, so sorry, yeah, James Buttress,
1: who always messages on me on WhatsApp after he's watched the film with his immediate thoughts. Um, let's pull out some of the best bits. Uh, best way I can put this is it's a really successful film. Uh, the romance bits are romantic, it's genuinely funny, and there's a note of sadness that underlines the whole thing but lets the lighter moments pop. From the pocket rocket hunter to Kamal's brother and his beer tips, <laughs> be a man and condition it like I do. It's a good line. Um, just great performances across the board. Talking of good lines, okay, the one line that always gets a fucking massive laugh is the the nine eleven one where Ray Romano says nine eleven. Like, what? What do you? What are your thoughts? And and he goes, oh, "That was a real tragedy. We lost nineteen about nineteen of our best
0: men." Yeah, yeah. It's fucking Ray crazy. Romano had the best bit. So when he got angry with the guy, the elevator goes all the way. The elevator goes all the way. I've down. got levels. The elevator goes all the way down. The fucking, fucking prick. Prick is like one of my favourite swear words. Yeah. If I call someone a prick, I like I really mean it. It's yeah. not a funny one. Oh, no, I know. You can't receive it. <laughs> you can't. You can't say it and not mean it. Usually when she hits, when she stops recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as we stop. Um, that's what I was doing to the um, We shop Music. I was just quite constantly calling you a prick. Um, of course not. <laughs> Favorite people in the world. Why don't you know his fucking name, you prick? <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, yeah, Ray. He, Ray,
1: he, Ray. was a great addition. He, he was. He was. Um. And a shout out here from James for um, Zoe Kazan as well. Um. who steals every second he's on screen and conscious. I could nitpick, but I don't want to. Big thumbs up from me. So there you go.
0: Ah. Oh, well, we didn't agree with him last time, did we? No. Uh, so. Although we come- he, he
1: did, he did, um, he did say that he'd. Gained a new appreciation yeah. for Annihilation based on our chat. Yeah. But also cool. also hated it more because of our chat as well.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, that's, <laughs> there's, there's two sides to that coin, isn't there? <laughs> but yeah, welcome back to the fold for the uh, big tick, at least. Um, thank you uh, for getting in touch. And anybody <laughs> else, I invite everyone else to, um, to get in touch as well um, about the next movie, which is uh, Good Time. Good Time. Good Time. Um, so, I'm going to move on from um, from the movie now, if, if I may, into our news section. Oh,
1: we have a news section? Well, you
0: know, we normally talk about stuff that's... Current that's, affairs. Well, it's kind of cult. current, so I wrote some of these um, before you were ill, and we were going to record it before, so... Oh, yeah, so
1: we probably didn't establish this at the start, did we? Yeah. But ironically, before we recorded an episode about the big sick, I got a really bad bout of tonsillitis. Yeah, so uh, pushed us back had a, a little really bit. Horrible pussy throat for about five or six days.
0: Um, but- pussy throat. <laughs> <laughs> a terrible case of pussy throat. Um, um, mm. you've completely with de- you me. Sorry, your pussy throat. Mm. Um, so. We normally talk a little bit about the fact that when movies come to Netflix or Amazon Prime Video... Yes. ...whether it's because it's VOD sort of trash, whether it's gone went straight to video, straight to the bargain bin... Mm-hmm. ...or it's a legitimate way of, of releasing your movie. I feel that this was a good example of just them using their influence and the fact that they paid for it... ...just to bring it to people a little Are you faster. you going to talk about can? Um, no, I'm going to oh. talk about. Uh, well, he might have said it at Cannes. Oh no, no! But Spielberg gave an interview saying that Netflix movies should definitely not be eligible for Oscars. Oh, it's, it's along the same lines, but yes, yeah. I did read that. So, um, so he's flagging the ground does coincide with him releasing a very you've got to see it in the cinema movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, very sort of surprised that in this would have made it. Well, I I don't know whether he means Amazon Video Prime. He was not drawn on that. But his
1: his his argument was basically if they if they're shown on TV, then they're not films. Mm. Which I I think is a really reductive well. It's not TV, thing. is
0: it? It's just a different. It's just know. really reductive thinking. He, well, he, I think if on are doing that, if Curzon are doing that straight to the service way of watching movies and. Granted, it is very uh, sort of in a great way for people that can't get to the cinema have the opportunity. They shouldn't miss out on movies as its primary release, and now it's being widened out. and I think it's a great initiative. I think it not only muddies muddies the water; it completely vindicates the um, the the notion Mm -hmm. that you know these are proper films. They are being released in a way our TVs are good enough. It's nice to be at home, that's, to watch that's a film. The thing it does is that
1: it really undermines the, the march of home technology as well. Is like we are all watching uh, films on TVs that match the, the quality of the digital projection. A lot of people own surround sound hardware, a lot of people own projectors. They are capable of watching cinema-grade films in a more intimate setting. Whereas before, cinemas... It was, you know, as, as, a, as a parallel, if you wanted to play games in their best form, you go to the arcade, wouldn't you? Because your home computer was in no way capable of displaying or playing the games at the same level. You know, I could play an arcade conversion on my Spectrum, but it would never live up to going into the arcade and playing the arcade version. Yeah. But now, home home console technology has massively overtaken what's possible yeah. in the arcade. And so, arcade games have had to rely on gimmickry. To, to sort of keep their place. Um, motion rising, and with motion experiences. What's cinema done recently? Oh, now we've got D-Box and mm, these four impact. impact screenings and things like this. Things that are just trying to go, oh, there's still a reason to go to the cinema. I, th- I think I think Spielberg's coming from a place where he's trying to protect the industry at large. His thoughts are really to say... You know, please go to the cinema, please support films that are coming out in a, in a traditional manner, but they are really flying in the face of just progress. Not, I'm not always saying that progress is a good thing, but in this case, I, I think it is. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I think it really is. So the reason I mentioned Cannes was because um, last year Netflix showed a couple of other films at mm. Cannes. They were booed by French critics. Of course they were. Of course they were, because it's the sort of place where critics feel they... Have the right to do such fucking awful things to, to people's hard work. Um, and this year, they've kowtowed out to crit- critic pressure and said Netflix no no sort of on demand films are allowed to be shown at Cannes unless they have some form of theatrical release. Um, and in response, Netflix has completely pulled out of Cannes. Yeah, entirely and won't show any of their upcoming upcoming. Um,
0: straight to Netflix fair. Well, I'm going to put it out there. I think the reason why it's valuable is because it allows me to go for a wee in the middle of the movie and pause it and come back to it. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. that reason alone, you know, we're now level on, on the quality of it. We're level, relatively level on sound. The fact that you can now have that because I am a person that very often needs to, you know, good to go for a week yeah and it's you know and there is no effect to it it actually improves for me is when I'm in the cinema sometimes if I've got to go out then I just miss that bit you know and it just is a disadvantage so the number anyway. of times
1: I've been to this because I, I, I try not to go to the toilet in the middle of a mm. film at the cinema and the number of times I think my enjoyment of a film has actually been affected by the fact that I've spent the last 45 minutes of it desperately having a mental war with my bladder mm Rather than really concentrating on what's going on screen, because yeah. I just don't want to miss a moment mm. of it. I, I and and the funny thing is, is you know, when films were consistently an hour and a half, that wasn't a problem. But now people are expecting us to sort of sit through these films for two plus hours yeah. um, and not have any sort of like brief intermission. I guarantee, yeah. if you added like a five, ten minute intermission to mm. films, they would be so wildly successful. Yeah. Um, but they don't
0: have the infrastructure to do it because there aren't enough s- toilets in cinemas. So if everyone went at that time, that was always the problem, wasn't it? Is they had that 15 minutes. I remember going to see Heat at the same thing at happens, cinema. The same thing happens when everyone leaves the and film. Kind though. of, because then you, you split up a little more. Everyone's localised on that, the closest one. Mm. Um, and... Uh, and then sometimes if you can't do it, or you don't get right in the queue or you want to go and buy something at that that whole time it's 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 actually a very short amount of time um but again being able to pause anyway that's just my 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 thought of it but convenience
1: i think i think convenience is a is a big part of it and the big part of a vod success in general is that it fits into people's lives mm. and i think as with a lot of these things oh a film that's viewable exclusively on a television shouldn't be considered for the oscars because you don't have to leave the house and pay and sit in a room full of other people. They're yeah. probably going to fucking chat and annoy you. Yeah, It's like, how does that invalidate it? If anything, I'm giving this film more of my attention mm. and I'm not having to pay exorbitant amounts for snacks and drinks and shit. I'm enjoying myself at home and I'm watching it with the only people I actually want to see the yeah. film with uh, at a quality that I find agreeable. Why should any of that count against that film's um, chances for, for accolades? And it invalidates the opinion of parents. It's parentist. Yeah, it's parentist. Because, and you it, know... It's also, you know Ultimately, it's, it's against the filmmakers. These people are having to find funding for their films. Spielberg does not have to fucking scrape mm. together funding to get a film out. If someone has got a film that they've, they've been... Dying to get together, dying to get out, and Netflix or Amazon approaches him and says, "Look, we'll we'll fund your film for yeah. you. can make it. It's got to be featured exclusively on our platform." They're gonna go, "Yeah." Oh, by the way, unfortunately, that now means it's not uh, you know eligible for contention for major awards because some sixty-year-old men with beards decided it's not it's not the case. It's it's a it's a fucking nonsense. It's elitism, and uh, and it really sucks to hear someone like Spielberg.
0: Um, support that way of thinking. So there's also a dark side um, to that coin that um, is worth just pro- touching on slightly. Is that the producers of the Cloverfield paradox have given an interview saying that um, watching the movie back with it, when it was still sort of scheduled for a cinema release, they um, it, it says it they officially said it gave them pause. When they watched it, about its um, sort of commercial potential, mm-hmm. um, and so that's why they went so aggressively for the Netflix option. So there's an there's another side to it where you know people can kind of kind of back away from you know if they feel that it's not going to make a lot of money. It's all about money, effectively, is what I'm saying. It's just it's money. You I mean, know. I'm not that concerned if Clofield Paradox is not for Oscar contention, person. But- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I just uh, I just mean that there is a. <laughs> there is a, a another another side I know, there's a more um, there's a more cynical side
1: but to be honest that's also down to netflix to mm. show a bit of now so when it comes to selecting the films they do you know if, if the clovefield paradox makers go actually our film's fucking terrible it deserves to be direct-to-video yeah because that's effectively what some of these films are they're direct-to-video releases but that's 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 a genre unto itself, almost a director video film. There's a number of, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme was almost exclusively a director video mm. actor and made a fucking great career out of it. There's no shame in it. There is, there is a stigma attached to it. And I think what, what we used to define as director video really has to change now because now, even though films like mute and bright and that aren't very good, annihilation mm. was very good. And, mm. um, beast of no nation. Is good. Mm. um, these these should now all be considered direct to video films, really, and I, and I think if anything that's it's it's really elevated that particular school of of cinema.
0: Oh, why uh, you brought him up, uh, Jean Claude Van Damme? In his uh, VOD uh, period of movies, like mm. a lot of it is junk. There's a movie that you come across it worth watching, and it's called Until Death. Right. Um, that's actually. Genuinely a really good movie. Um, it's got a uh, Stephen Ray in it, Mr. Okay. The baddie in it. He does phone it in a little bit, but um, Jean-Claude Van Damme plays this uh, cop that's totally crooked, totally taking money on the side, uh, doing drugs, doing all this kind of stuff. And he gets, uh, he gets murdered by his, by this guy really early on in the film. It sort of turns it round. So there's not as much fighting or anything. It's a little bit more dramatic. I think, I think they all thought they were making cop land on a budget, but, it kind of works. It's a bit like Latter Day
1: Jackie Chan as well, isn't it? Like yeah. yeah. It's like, like later police story films mm. with much more sort of gritty police yeah. dramas rather than wacky police capers.
0: But yeah, weird recommendation. If anyone sees and comes across it, sometimes you can see it in a CEX. I really um, want to
1: see um, the the sort of official Universal Soldier sequel because I thought mm, that was actually not bad either. Yeah. The one where it was actually him and Lundgren
0: both came mm. back for it. The double bill. Yeah. Um, how much do you think. Netflix are going to spend on new content this year. Do you know the do you know the? 1.5 billion. Uh, nope. Less? More. 4 billion. More. 6 billion. More. 8 billion. 8 billion they're going to spend on new content in 2018. Jesus. That's a lot. That's a lot of moolah. Um... And the thing that's caught my eye for a future episode for us to do, I think it's quite good to touch on these properly. Have you seen the uh, trailer for Future World? Yes, with um, with uh, Naughty James Fanko and um, Miller Yoyovich. Yes. So yeah, that's was kind of got my uh, got my attention. I thought we should kind of see it. I like Crappy Mad Max. Well, Mad Max used to be crappy anyway yeah, yeah. when uh, when um, when Mel was in it. So I'm quite interested in it. Weirdly, going back to that. Um, strange decisions are making in a post-Fury Road world, mm. though, isn't it? Yeah. What
1: a strange. And
0: also, what is happening with Mad Max? Are they going to do... Is that it?
1: I don't know. I, th- I think George I think George Miller probably wants to do another one. I mean, by all accounts, the I... making of Fury Road was utterly torturous. But if someone
0: would let him... Mm. I'd let him. I'd let him. Um, definitely. Yeah. Um, Talking of casting, of uh, Tom Hardy, Mad Max, doing all that kind of stuff. Um, Bill Hader.
1: And, Lader, yeah uh,
0: and uh, and James McAvoy have joined oh, um, sustain for um Have they officially yeah. been cast now? Well, I think they're, they're in heavy talks for it. I think they are definitely it's, it's out there that they're doing it. Strong cast. Strong cast, I think. Um I'm quite interested to see what they can do. I'm worried about whether Pennywise is going to be able to really stand up to they they're quite powerhousey People, man yeah. boys, are good. Have you seen Split? Yes. Yeah. It's like, it's flawed, but I think it's, you know. I've really enjoyed Split. Yeah. It's like,
1: audacious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad Shyamalan was able to pull something out of his ass after
0: sort of streaming. Well, it's one, It's one. It, it, it reminds me of The Cube, that movie. Yeah. That it's like, it's really broad in scope, but then you realise it's just a load of rooms and people just knocking around, like, one room, basically. Yeah, know, yeah. That's so lit differently. Yeah. So it's... Um... um yeah, I mean, I mean the, the the funny thing with the with the
1: first it, which was actually a very accurate reflection of the novels, is that it's never really about Pennywise. Pennywise is more a sort of um, it's 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 a it's a, it's sort of a plot device. Is a creature hmm. that moves the thing forward, but it's it's really about the kids and the relationship, and that's what really drew me into the book. And I think the the film did such an excellent job of keeping that. Aspects of it kind of front and centre and they they cast they cast the kids so well as well that their relationship just was was perfect. It mm. was like exactly what I wanted it to be.
0: To so the point that like Pennywise wasn't scary. No, but I think Pennywise is most effective when the in the early sort of section when he's like just standing at the side of a road yes. or across the river or those kind of things. When it actually gets to the um and I did enjoy it overall, but when it gets to the kind of crazy big mouth bit or yeah, yeah, the, yeah. you know the that's where it does lose me a little bit i did they're not my favorite bits my favorite bits are just him standing there and just looking just being a presence or, or just appearing yeah. at random in yeah. places and yeah that's I mean, where i think um the original was really good some yeah. of those little bits and sometimes you would just see the flash of the teeth or something that yeah. was really good like we done really well yeah um so yeah, interesting so, yeah, stuff. Yeah. I'm
1: I'm I'm hoping if you know if they do if they do get on board it just just bodes well for the adult part as well. <laughs> I remember when I first watched the the TV movie version, the Tim Curry version after reading the book and I'd heard so many good things at the moment I sort of was like who who are these people? Mm. This, this isn't this isn't my it. Yeah. This isn't it and then I thought I thought this film version did justice and I think yeah you you need the adult performances to live up to the strength of the kids so yeah. it's it's a good cast i think i think i think bill hader's got big things ahead of him i think barry's going to be i don't know if you know about this new series barry oh no it's a hbo series where he plays um, an assassin who kind of discovers acting yeah um i've got the first episode to watch um but it's meant to be his sort of breakout film but he was also very good in a film called the skeleton twins with oh, Kristen Wiig, uh, which Wig, I really yeah. like. I just, I just think he's he's naturally a very very funny guy, but someone who can very effortlessly cross the across the boundaries into mm. into dramatic acting as well. He's just very very watchable, talented guy.
0: Actually, he um, one of the original ideas for this show came from the. Um, He was on the Adam Buxton podcast, wasn't he? Yes. And they had a bit where they were, like, suggesting things to each other. And he said something along the lines of, like, I really love this. is, like, what I love doing, like, with people. When you get into the exchange of sort of ideas around stuff that you've seen or what you thought was cool or the natural uh, tangents that you go off sort of – and it made me think that it would be cool for us to record a a podcast about us kind of doing that because we do it a lot – and as you can see, we can not. We when we review, for one of a better word, a film, we hardly talk about the fucking <laughs> film. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah. Anyway, that's sort of tying back <laughs> to the uh, the ethos. Um, and did you know who is in talks to do the Tommyknockers? No, James Wan. Okay. Kind Of a strange one, definitely not an immediate buy for me. Um, I'm not, it's not, not, of, not one of the Stephen King stories I know particularly well actually. Um, it's another one that's got a good premise things happen in a town, pretty cool, and then the last third is again like big, mental big, 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 big spider. spider basically. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, um, but I went, I went, I'll get the one for that one. Um, cool, um. Yeah, just a really stupid one. This is going to be a Sheila Sheila Birth biopic. (laughs) Like, just I was just looking around and thought that I would just bring it up. Like, who in their right mind would put millions and millions of dollars behind a a a movie about about him? Um, Yeah, they've got a guy to play it—a guy called Lucas Hedges. Um, I've heard of him and. it's it's called Honey Boy.
1: Wasn't Lucas Hedges in that film that was called like Monster
0: Trucks? or something? Oh man, are we gonna do the? Are we gonna do the We Music again?
1: I need to, no no no. You you keep going. I'm just gonna... okay.
0: No no, let's do it. We Shop Music.
1: He was in Manchester by the Sea. So yeah, you, and he's in Three Billboards, and he's in Moonrise Kingdom, and he's in Lady Bird. So he's got a Angry Grand Budapest Hotel. <laughs> so he's not had a bad he's not had a bad career so far. But yeah. Is it, is it definitely about him? Because it's Honey Boy film. He said he plays the character of Otis. A child actor works to mend the relationship with his hard-drinking, law-breaking father. Okay, so yeah, the movie was written by Shia LaBeouf mm. and is apparently autobiographical. So we've kind of come full circle. Yeah, we've come the big full sick. A, the Big Sick, an autobiographical film, talking about Shia LaBeouf, writing a film about himself, where he portrays his own drunken father. There you,
0: <laughs> there you go. There you go. And I think that will um that will do us nicely for uh, this uh, fifth episode of acquired reading um, acquired reading um a it really sounded like you said did you say acquired reading oh yeah let's change the name of it yeah know no, I said they say required but uh but my I'm just hearing what I want to hear we all only hear what we want to hear and isn't that a great way to finish um Thanks, I- I'd love a steak right about now I will say. The next movie, again, refer to it is going to be the Robert Pattinson and Safti brothers movie. Um, Good time. Yes, this was I, this was going to be the alternative film, wasn't it? This was the alternative choice. And I have seen it. I know, which um, is why we're watching it. Apparently, which is why you- we're watching it because I got I got round to watching it, and uh, yeah, no spoilers. I'm gonna I'm gonna save it, but it's it's all I will reveal to you is that it's in it's in the positive for me. Okay. Uh, well I was gonna
1: say, unless if, it would have to be like outrageously bad <laughs> if you were gonna suggest that we we watch it. If you'd like seen the film and like, yeah, we've got to do a podcast about this because it would have to be fucking either really good or just spectacularly shit. It's like you have to watch this, we have to talk
0: about it. It's this. one where I am very interested in the um the readers' thoughts on it. And yeah, so we will uh, fellow we will readers get straight on we will get straight on to it. Um, and uh, ask you to get your thoughts in um, again via Twitter. Um, and uh, yeah, all that remains is for me to say thank you very much. And thank you to you, Dan. Thank you. And um, we shall see you next time. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll say it. We'll try and do it relatively quickly. We'll do it.
1: Yes. Come out with it.
0: So I'll try not to not die. Leave. Try not to be ill or go on holiday or in between. Very selfish of me. Bye bye now. Bye-bye.